0: You're chewing five pieces of gum on board your flight back home after the holidays, to relieve the cabin pressure that has been plaguing your ears for the last hour. You feel like the weight in your head is about to burst blood as the pressure begins to make its way to your jaw. Why is this the part of flying that you always forget? It's like how mothers can suppress their own memories of the pain of childbirth so as to increase the size of their family. You do the same thing with your recollections of the pain, to keep travelling around the world and taking photos of croissants. As soon as the plane begins its descent, you squeeze your nose, hold your breath, and blow out to pop your ears, causing yourself to go temporarily deaf and feel immensely discombobulated. This sensation will only last a short while, but long enough to completely miss what your girlfriend is asking you. Hey Daniel, what's the deal with airline food? Part 1. New Year's Resolutions Now that the year has begun, I've been encouraged to see myself making progress in my resolutions. This year, instead of overwhelming myself with impossible achievements that will only cause discouragement down the line, I decided to keep my goals simple. One of them was to learn how to be funnier, and take my comedy to the next level. And I found the easiest way to do this is by becoming a self-righteous edgy comedian. To garner success these days in the oversaturated comedy landscape, it's really important to prioritize not being funny at all and actually just making people shocked and upset instead. I also intend on doing crowd work where I insult the people watching my show in a way that goes too far, showing my own insecurity more than anything else. The best part of being this type of comedian is that I get to create a narrative that it's me against the world, and that I'm fearlessly speaking truth to power in an age where people aren't allowed to speak freely, while ignoring the fact that my jokes are being profoundly platformed by some of the biggest entertainment companies in the business, and that appealing to the anti-woke mob is more lucrative now than ever before. Anyways, I did a new set as my alter ego, Dan Jerris last week in Workman's Club, and I recorded it for you guys. Let me know what you think. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. Um, Sorry I'm late here. I should have identified as a Lamborghini and gotten here in five minutes, but uh, instead I got the train here. (coughs) People love using the train these days in order to be eco-friendly. You know, all these bleeding heart she-theys love the environment almost as much as they love putting metal in their face, dyeing their hair the colour of puke and disrespecting their pushover trust fund parents. I mean, he's just saying what we're all thinking. You know, these are the same folks who use an ADHD diagnosis as an excuse to not get a job and use all my hard-earned tax money on Super Mario Bro Lego and Chicken Goujons. I'm so angry at the world. I have so much hate. I don't know where to put it. This is ridiculous. I'm getting out of here. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. Where do you think you're going? You're just not being very funny, sorry. You know what? You know, you know this is so typical of, of a morbidly obese idiot, fat, feminazi idiot with, with, uh, with blue hair and metal, metal in their fat face. I'm leaving, okay? You can't stop me from leaving if I want to. No, no, see, so you're silencing the truth. You're complacent in allowing the suppression of free thinkers. Now, to clarify. In my new role, I will have to exist in a reality where criticism of my material can never be because of it simply being unamusing and not funny, but only because people can't bear to live in the light I'm shedding on this fallen world. I can never be self-aware, not enough to consider the fact that my work is basically just didactic ranting and not humorous. I have to love the smell of my own farts to the point where I delude myself into believing that my work is countercultural and clever. Another one of my resolutions this year is to become more smarter and less dumber. I want to make my brain more better, and think more goodums. This year I spent a lot of time on my phone, watching reels of people making cakes and screaming, and it made my brain most stupidest, and my IQ get more worse. I think I need to be a better learner, and read book, watch intelligent movie and play chess to keep my brain the most as fit and healthy it has ever been in all my years living on the world. My noggin contains all my bestest thoughts, and I need to keep it safe and only give it the goodest nutrients, like ancient stoic philosophy, which is more better than silly TV and videos on phone, fruit ninja, temple run, things like these. My new year goal is to read a million books a year, and don't ask me which books, don't ask me about the genre or the writer, just accept the merit of me planting my face into a book and squinting while I try to absorb the smartness and wordness of the book into my thinker. My final New Year's resolution is to become a sculpted gormless himbo freak with a nine-pack, cannonball shoulders, and rippling veined biceps. I want to go to the gym eight times a week and suffer catastrophic long-term adverse health effects from supplemental reliance over rest and a varied diet. What seems to be the norm online now are guys that use their fragility and anger to pick up and drop heavy things over and over until they become the incredible Hulk with bacne. I have decided that nothing about my routine should be healthy or normal, and that the whole experience should be guided by the most unstable, mentally tortured Instagram gym influencers who scream at you through your phone in lieu of motivation. The sissy boy epidemic is getting out of hand, gentlemen, let's get back to the gym. My initial idea was to go three times a week and do a balance of weight training and cardio. But now I realize that I have to stop going to parties and end friendships with people who don't pump. My life has to become a miserable cycle of constant exertion so that I can receive validation from the other guys doing the same thing and not really from anyone else. That's the one big benefit of getting absolutely shredded, is that other gym bros who are also super shredded congratulate you for joining their ranks as you all bid to climb the podium of the freakishly strong and desperately unhappy steroid Olympics. Oh, also, I can only eat inedible protein puddings and air-fried turkey burgers made by bodybuilders who don't know how to turn an oven on and yet still have the gall to call their recipes bangin'. Part 2. Hosting the Oscars Guys, I'm not even joking, but this year I got the chance to host the 96th Annual Academy Awards. I don't know how it happened, but because of my wise choice to deactivate my old Twitter account and also not comment on anything happening in the world, Oscar's great-great-grandson, Oscar VII, came to meet me yesterday to talk about the possibility of me hosting. For the uninitiated, Oscar is the man who started the Academy Awards. All the way back in 1927, a narcissistic oil tycoon billionaire, Oscar decided to boost his hubris one day by making a show where he gave little gold statues of himself out to all the people making the movies that he liked the best. This annual tradition has passed the test of time, and every year this ceremony needs a host. That's where I come in. Hi, can I help you? Oh, wow, Oscar the Seventh. Uh, hi Daniel. Do you have a minute? Yeah, I'm sure. How do, you, how do you know me? How do you know my name? Uh, Daniel, I'm going to be blunt. Uh, we need you as our host for the Oscars this year. We've been plagued by controversy recently. And what the Academy needs more than anything is an entertainer who can present an awards show in the least offensive, most impartial, nonpartisan, blandest, most forgettable, toast way possible. We heard you deleted your old Twitter account, and that you're a man, and that you're Irish, which is, like, so hot right now, so you're basically freaking perfect. Uh, um, yeah, that, okay, cool. Could you, like, say something funny and Irish, actually, just so I can see if you're right for the show? Uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, uh, what's the crack with Bambinos, lads? Uh, some... Some serious cream on that pint you're after pulling there. You're you're a sound skin altogether, so you are. Sorry, I I just love that. It's like I found you under a pot of gold or something. Shiver me timbers, as you say. Uh, we're not pirates, we don't say that. So we'll be needing you to write an opening monologue. Uh, Keep in mind, the awards are next week, so you roughly have five days to finish your first draft. And so it began. I had a five-day window to try and write the opening monologue for the ceremony celebrating the biggest night in Hollywood. I ran to the Odeon in town after getting tickets to every movie nominated for Best Picture, bringing a notepad and a pen with me to write jokes while watching them. I devoured every online interview of the Oscar-nominated actors promoting their films. Every Hot Ones episode, every chicken shop date, any and all chicken-related talk shows that featured these artists talking about their craft. It took me a few days, but I eventually got it done, just before the ceremony began. I was shaking behind the stage curtain as I prepared myself to be broadcast all over the world, leaving living rooms full of confused families googling my name to find nothing at all. No one knows who I am, I thought. They're probably expecting one of the Jimmys, or a D'Amelio sister, and all they're going to end up with was little old me. Before I could wallow in my worries, the curtain lifted, and I could hear the announcer welcoming everyone to... The 96th Annual Academy Awards, with your host, Daniel Malarkey. Who is this What happened to the Jimmys? Why is he sweating so much? Is his fly down... He looks awesome. oh, hello, 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 um, people of the world! Um, welcome to the ninety-six. Sorry, sorry, the 96th um, uh, annual, annual, annual Academy Awards. I will be your host this evening, <laughs> the the host with the most, <laughs> as the man says. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's been a big year for my home country of Ireland this year at the Oscars. We have Killian Murphy, Barry Keoghan, Andrew Scott, all here uh, representing our country, do- doing us proud. But, but I wonder, lads, uh, will we get a Supermax after this? <laughs> and then maybe a pint of the creamy black stuff? <laughs> a- and perhaps play a bit of Ga? <laughs> Come on now, you can't blame me for being a chancer. <laughs> Jesus, who is this clown? Um, Anyway, here we have the the beautiful and talented Lily Gladstone. Lily, your performance in Killers of the Flower Moon was breathtaking. I just have to ask, what is it like for your first name to be a flower and then your last name to be an adjective followed by the British Imperial Unit of Mass? Maybe over here they call you Lily Gladkilo or... or, or. Get this guy off! On the topic of stones, guys, we also have Emma Stone. Uh, Wow, Emma, you were really great in Poor Things this year. Funnily enough, uh, Poor Things is also what I called the audience of your movie. It, it was so weird and kind of try-hard. To be honest, I don't know why your film got nominated over Ant-Man 3 Quantumania this year, but honestly, the whole thing is rigged anyway, so enjoy your stolen crown. You can't say that! Never i <laughs> ever! not You're not Um, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper is here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, round of applause. He was fantastic of course this year in Maestro where he played the legendary composer Leonard Bernstein uh, Apparently Bradley went method for this role as the closeted gay artist. So basically he had to be sus for a whole year um, Maybe the effect hasn't fully worn off yet. Uh, do you like what we see here Bradley? Uh, <laughs> only joking man. I-, I loved you in the hangover p- part two Uh, 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 this was a huge year for Barbie fans everywhere, right, ladies? Uh, I, for one, love the Barbie movie. It made me want my own Barbie dream house, if I'm being honest. Uh, of course, though, with the cost of living situation in my country, a Dublin dream house would be a shared bunk bed with an ensuite bathroom and an air fryer. <gasps> I realized that none of my regional humor or actor jabs were working in making my audience laugh. So I decided the only way I could salvage this monologue was if I suddenly got sickeningly sentimental and spoke to how much movies meant to me as a young victim of bullying. When when I was a kid, okay, I got made fun of for my love of the academy. My tormentors would mock me and chastise me for my passion and my knowledge of film and all the award ceremonies put in place to honour them. My only sanctuary was the movie theatre, or the pictures as I called it, where every Friday I would hand my ticket stub to the man at the checkout booth, concealing the week's bruises with my sleeve as I did so. I would walk in through the dark carpeted tunnel after getting my popcorn at concessions, and then make my way to the biggest screen, where I would sit at the very back and take what felt like the first deep breath of my week. I would close my eyes, knowing that when I opened them, I wouldn't be in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I would be in the Dagobah system, training with Jedi Master Yoda. <clears throat> Daniel, how strong you have become. Learning well you have been. Or trying out Starfleet maneuvers with Captain Jean-Luc Picard. This is outstanding work, Commander. Well done or being a million miles in the sky with Peter Pan, second star to the right and straight on till morning, or to be standing in the back of Christian Gray's office, you're gonna do what I want. The seed of my imagination was watered by movies. My heart learned a new language through the art of film. My soul learned to walk with the aid of Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, Spielberg, Varda, Truffaut and Bay. So today I thank those who acted, sang, danced, directed, edited, and wrote their way into my very being. Movies are the reason I get up in the morning, and I am insufferable at parties. Oh my God. Beautiful. You. Yes. I did it. I had won the love and respect of Hollywood. I wiped a tear from my eye, as I saw almost every row of celebrities on their feet applauding my efforts. I smiled and I cried a bit more, soaking in the moment, until I saw an empty seat near the back. Oh my god, I thought, he's escaped. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth! Ah! Someone get him! Six. On the Thanks so much for listening, guys. As James Blunt says, you're beautiful. As Baby Bird says, you're gorgeous. As Queen says, you're my best friend. As Shania Twain says, you're still the one. And as Carly Simon says, You're so vain, I bet you think this pod is about you.